This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Hi, everyone. This is Matthew Cruz at Comstock Investments. I'm here with Eric Relf. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about what uh, came out of the USDA report today. We got roughed up a little bit, pretty wide trading ranges in the markets today. We're kind of all over the place. Perhaps a lot of bearishness coming into this report, hoping most of it would be in there, but uh, they found some more additional bad news, maybe put it that way, than, than what we saw. So I don't know, what was your initial thoughts on the report? Corn was, I guess maybe I expected even further negative commentary from the USDA than what we got. Wheat was quite supported. I think that helped prop the corn up a little bit, no doubt. But the beans, fairly bearish. I was surprised USDA didn't come around on Argentine production any better than they did. I'm sure that caught you off guard a little bit, too. You know, we're seeing numbers 21 to 22, maybe even as high as 23. USDA sticks with a 27. I don't know. That caught me a little bit. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I thought I would use the word ridiculous even. That, uh, yeah. It's kind of silly at this point. I think they're already behind the eight ball a little bit here, catching up. I mean, we I think a lot of the local... Grain exchanges in Argentina have, have said, yeah, this is going lower. And, and, you know, we've seen them down to like 21 million metric tons in soybean estimates. And the average trade was at 24. And I think even their local USDA ag attaches have said, yeah, it's going to be a little bit smaller. And so they're, I feel like they're even ignoring their own people on site down in South right. America. And, and, and so they said, they say, no, we're just going to leave it where it's at. You know, yeah. uh, it doesn't make any sense. You know, the harvest is, uh, I think, in the corn is maybe halfway done there, a little more. And uh, but then at the same time, in in their corn projections in Brazil, you know, they haven't even started harvest, and yet they're increasing it quite a bit. So there's no uh, pattern, I think, to their methodology. It seems right, and not putting any faith in the boots on the ground. Yeah, and just kind of ignoring what uh, all other private and government estimates are saying. And so it's does happen where the trade will actually ignore the USDA reports uh, sometimes when they don't believe it. So I don't know if we'll we'll see some of that. But it was I was looking for a bounce in soybeans and we didn't didn't get it. Yeah, I suppose the one good thing maybe out of this report was the wheat, as you kind of mentioned that uh, you know the wheat maybe can be the leader here and and uh, it's been been heading lower for some time now and looking for some good news and it's you know the USDA you know if you want to follow it. The report said was basically, yeah, a year from now, we're still going to we're going to have even lower supplies than what we have now, right. which are already fairly low. Right. And so no, nothing nothing's going to change there. So and I think that's with them being a little optimistic on the yield in HRW country. I, you know, I'm from southwest Kansas, talk to guys from that area all the time. My mom's down on the Oklahoma border. I've got family in, in Texas, you know, North Texas and the Panhandle. And, and it, it's bad. We're going to get the Kansas wheat tour next week. That could influence things a little bit. The first day, they're actually going to be in pretty decent country. That'll be Monday. And then after that, they move into some significant drought areas, areas that have been struggling all year long. And so any opportunities may be coming in that Monday night to Tuesday time frame. And this may be what leads us out of here finally. Wheat has been the leader ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, so there's no reason to think that uh, they can't be now. So, yeah, yeah I think that's something we can look for. So we're trying to 
at least appear optimistic here, right? And, what uh, can you it, hang your hat on? Yeah. You know, something my dad would always point out is that when this, this type of report comes out, he would say, well, now you know about as worse as it can get. Because they, they usually, what they come with, USDA usually comes with is kind of everything works out perfectly. perfectly. Yeah. We're, we're going to have this high yield, this high ending stocks, which I'm not saying that can't happen. Right. If we have, uh, if weather, weather cooperates and we have this El Nino come in, it can happen, but yeah. baked in a little bit where everything has to work out right for that to take place. And chances are, if there's a weather hiccup or anything like that, you know, if supply or demand does begin to turn around eventually, you know, you can see those ending stocks coming lower. And so. Sure. Well, David said those very words to me today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I know he, I know he said that each year around this time. He said kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah. okay, well, it, chances are it can't get too much worse from here. That doesn't mean prices can't go lower, but the, the ending stock scenario can't get a whole lot worse from right. there. Right. In, he, in he was talking about, you know, I'm glad they kept the yields up. You know, now the bar is set low and now we can shoot for something better. And so, yeah, that's, I think, where the optimism comes in. And and honestly, I was hearing it from traders today, all day, even going back to yesterday. They're putting kind of bottom-picking orders in, and, and I actually caught the low tick on the corn. I just didn't get all the fills that I was trying to get. And, and so when you start to see that sentiment and, and fairly large producers, long-time traders looking for opportunity here, that's usually a sign that you're seeing some outside. So, so settle this uh, debate that I have. Okay. Uh, you know, May, the May contract goes off the board today, right? Yep. 47 um, cents. Yeah. And if you look at the, the chart, the daily action of the chart, you would not knowing that the May is, is expiring, you would think, okay, the May, uh, old crop has bottomed. But since it's expiring and there's probably low, I, I didn't look at it, but I'm assuming there's pretty low volatility or, or volume, low liquidity. Um, does that mean much to you? What do you think? It does to me in a heavily inverted market with a strong cash basis. When you've got basis levels holding at the levels we're seeing throughout the Western Belt and even out into the plains, when cash is stout and you've got a highly inverted market like what we're seeing here, you know, May goes off the board today, we've got a 47 cent gap to the July. So in that scenario, it is meaningful to me because I don't see any signs of cash giving up. The the corn that's out there is obviously in tight hands or they wouldn't be bidding up like they are. I don't think that's going to change at these price levels. They're going to hold out for higher prices. Well, what's going to give us higher prices? So in this exact scenario with all these ingredients, I like the idea that July can make a run at it. So, uh, you know, wh- one other comment I might make about uh, today's report, you know, I continue to point out that, um, okay, then stocks and soybeans are are going a little bit higher. But if you look at those numbers historically, they're still pretty low, in my opinion. I mean, oh, sure. in, in five years ago, we were getting close to a billion uh, bushels in ending stocks for beans. And so we're at one third of that next year if, if this were to were to take place. And so, yeah, yeah, it's more than, than uh, you know, 100, 100 million bushels more than what it is now. But it, it's still not very much. And so um, I'm not saying that's going to be they're going to go lower, but they they shouldn't plummet, I guess, and, and go back to, uh, you know, the pre-COVID levels. Um, now, however, you know, the scenario in corn is much more negative. You know, ignore that. But so maybe that will drag the beans down with it. But uh, it just seems like there's a pretty distinct contrast between 
the corn and beans this year for their projections. And, um, you know, if you shave off just two bushels per acre in the beans for yield, then you're right back to where we're at today pretty right. much. And, and I'm not and, sure. And, the... Yeah, and, which could easily happen. Sure, yeah. And I'm not sure that the USDA is properly accounting for the increased crush demand here domestically still. I still think that's something that comes around with with every crush report, we're going to see those numbers go up. And especially if Argentinian producers are holding on to their beans. And, you know, I've got a contact through Cargill who says that the recent Chinese cancellation we saw on meal out of Argentina was not because of quality or price or anything else. It's because the meal was not available. They've throttled back the crush plants down there and, and because the beans just aren't there. So there's nothing to crush. So therefore, there's nothing to export. So how long does that go on? I think that becomes a much bigger story as time goes forward. All right. Well, any anything else that you kind of saw today that you think is important for listeners to know? Um, well, I didn't like the fact that we made another weekly low in the hogs. That's one that everybody's been watching. You know, this Prop 12 out in California was upheld in the Supreme Court. That's kind of a big deal. I think that that definitely reversed the market yesterday and then made another new low yet today. So that market, I think, is one that a lot of people are watching for an opportunity, and it just keeps dragging out and not presenting itself. But big picture, one of the things that several people have been talking to me about and been trying to figure out, we know that over the last couple of years, we've seen commodities serve as an inflationary hedge, uh, particularly for large managed money. Money came pouring into commodities. Several things doubled in value. We saw it all over the place. And and now through all of these slides lower, how much of that has exited? How much of that excess cash is out of commodities? And when do they run out of selling power? So if they've liquidated those hedges, then maybe we have created a market that's more attractive for, for money to come back into as we head into the, the heart of the growing season. So that obviously makes grains one of the beneficiaries if we have any kind of hiccups along the way here, particularly weather-wise. I just, I don't know how related this is. I was just kind of scrolling here and I saw an article that Bloomberg had. Um, I think it just came out. I think it was on JBS and maybe reporting, uh, uh, some losses and their stock prices begin to plummet. So I, I don't know if you've seen, seen that yet and what impact, if any, that'll have in the markets. I wonder if that might slow their, their slaughter numbers at all. Yeah. I, I saw the same thing on Tyson. Um, uh, I think early this week. Okay, maybe it was Tyson. I might have gotten confused. But oh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure they're all hurting. They're, as, they're all the same. Just, yeah. just, just change the name. <laughs> Collusion works both ways, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, but no, I mean, I think there's reason to have a little optimism here, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see something bright next week. Well, yeah, I think uh, looking forward, you know, we're just going to go back to focusing on on the weather again, and um, you know, we're uh, what did I read that it's still, there's still a lot of dry areas, especially in the Western Horn Belt. You know, maybe that's a good thing in North Dakota because they want all that, that snow to melt and they can get in the field fi- finally. 29%, close to 30%, I think, of what the, of the Corn Belt is in, you know, some sort of drought right now still. And so, you know, it's good for a speedy planting, but uh, eventually you're going to have to get water on that. And so, if anything's going to grow. So something something has to, to change here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. I did talk to a pretty good-sized producer from uh, near Minden, Nebraska. They had a two-inch rain last night, and that was just 
amazing for them. Biggest, yeah. biggest rain they've had in over a year. So yeah, they were, uh, they were definitely joyful for that. One thing that kind of did catch me by surprise, uh, July beans down 46 and a half for the week now at 1390. And that's putting November very near some significant support as well. So technically yeah. th- this could, we could look back and this could be a, a big piece of a washout here. Totally. We're, we've, we've come down enough now that you would think that the um, prices are attractive and the buying would come back in. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yep. All right. All right. Hey, Eric, thank you. Have a good weekend. We'll talk again next week. Everybody have a good one. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.